0: For as long as I can remember, it has been a dream of mine to work on Listen Money Matters full-time. This episode is a rebroadcast of an amazing interview with Laurel Staples on how to fire yourself and become your own boss. Hear us hash it out and come up with a plan on how to make it happen.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters. Keeping the swearing and the beer talk. My name is Matt, and I'm here, as always, with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking?
0: I'm awesome, and Yeah. I, I am... Yeah, man. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. Ooh. I, I have some money nose going on over here. Bouncy House IPA. It is the all-occasion American ale. How is and
1: it? Is, so it's an IPA? Uh, yeah. You said IPA. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's good. It's a little
0: bitter, but very tasty. And that's exactly what I needed right now. I am uh,
1: drinking a martini kiss. So what does that mean? Well, it's just a martini. Martini kiss is a song. Senses fail. But uh, it is made with blue coat gin and a little bit of vermouth, and that's it. I didn't even put Mm. olives in it because I didn't have any. I didn't put any lime or lemon in it because I didn't have any. And so So, basically it's it's just gin. So not dirty. It's clean. It's a clean martini. Hmm. Yeah, shaken. I did shake it in a glass with ice Nice Such a shaken martini uh, And if you guys have questions about my martini You can email us at <laughs> listenmoneymatters at gmail.com Or questions about personal finance I guess it's more appropriate Right uh, Unless I want to talk about you know, blue coat gin I'd actually rather hear about that you know? Oh Travis, uh, Sherry will be very happy That I'm drinking blue coat gin on the mm. podcast today And I'm going to see him on the, during the weekend Could Oh that's Podcast true. movement
0: He's a cool dude. We'll mm. get, grab a beer
1: with him. Oh, we'll grab a blue coat gin with him. Because mm. I'm going to make you drink it. Because it's Philadelphia based. <laughs> I like
0: gin. I'm yeah. down,
1: dude. All right. So uh, today's catchphrase was, welcome to Listen Money Matters, keeping the swearing and beer talk by at blah, blah, Woody. <laughs> I like that name. <laughs> blah, blah, Woody. And you can send those to us via Twitter. It's at Money Matters. Man is our Twitter handle. Today, we have a guest on the show. Laurel Staples is a business jump starter, marketing expert, almost author, and podcaster. In 2007, she quit her job as a mechanical engineer to launch her own business. Today, she is the founder of a popular blog, GoFireYourself.com, where she helps small business owners permanently quit their day jobs by dishing insider secrets needed to successfully grow their businesses and live life on their terms. Laurel, how are you today? Doing great.
2: Thanks for having me on the show, guys.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Andrew was on your show recently.
2: Yes, he was awesome on the show, and that one is just up, so if people go over there and check out Andrew's interview.
1: That's a freshie.
2: That's a freshie one, <laughs> yeah.
1: What does almost author mean?
2: <laughs> almost author, my first full-length book is coming out in January. Full-length book as in printed or online? Printed. 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 Both. Ooh. It's going to be a printed book, it's going to be an e-book, and it's going to be an audio book. What's it all about? It's all about quitting your day job.
1: Quitting your day job and doing what? Just living life in the Bahamas?
2: Yeah. that's That's It's about quitting your day job, running your own business, living life on your own terms, all the good stuff that I talk about on the blog into a nice, pretty format so Mm. that you can follow along step by step and do it for yourself, but also with a lot of big ideas, a lot of stories, a lot of good stuff like that.
1: Is your only business GoFireYourself.com?
2: No, I do. I've done several things over the years. Right now, I do that. I do business coaching. So I have Mm -hmm. one-on-one clients. I have the blog. And I also have always done photography. Ah. I've, I've been doing that since high school. So that's always been a part of my life.
1: Photography, like wedding photography, I don't.
2: I'm not a wedding person. Never shot a wedding, but I actually I live in Nashville, Tennessee, so Mm. I do musician photography. Mm. So mainly singer songwriters and people like that. I don't really market it. Because I've just been doing it so long, I just get clients every right, you just have that so reputation. often. Yeah. yeah, it just kind of goes goes with the territory so of being you're a doing photographer. Doing all different kinds of stuff. I'm doing lots of stuff, but I I will always do photography. So I have my website up for that, but don't really market it. Just kind of do it. So go fry yourself is my main thing that mm-hmm. I'm working on, and getting this book out has been my focus since November. I've been working on it for a long time.
1: So wow. uh, yeah. I, I how do you go from a mechanical engineer? I assumed you went to college for that. Yes. And you got a job. Yes. And how long did you do that for?
2: Oh, my gosh. I did that job. I was designing color laser printers, and I did that for three years.
1: For a company we would know?
2: For a company called Lexmark. I, I know, know them. Yeah.
1: The cheap printers you buy at Target. <laughs> yeah.
2: I worked on the laser <laughs> printers, which are actually really good printers. Oh, the big so, ones. Yeah, that was that was a good good. That was better than working on the crappy ancient ones.
1: So a mechanical engineer is a big deal. I mean, that's like not... its a lot of schooling. Yeah.
2: Well, it's the same four-year degree as anybody else, but Seems I got intense, to get out of... It It was intense, but I, I have a math science brain. So if you'd put me in a course to do English or to do history, that would have been intense for me, because that's not how my brain works. Like, I work in numbers.
1: So. Which is weird, because you're a photographer as well.
2: And so you writing have a the art <laughs>
1: side. yeah. You have the art yeah. side. You're, you have the English side. You are a mechanical engineer. You kind of do. You kind of have like a a, a a wide variety of things that you do.
2: I do. I have that left and right brain thing going. I originally wanted to go to college for physics and photography, and no like, one combined, understood is that. A that thing? Thing? No, I just wanted to do both. I oh. wanted to major in both. And the schools that I went to were like, what do you want to do? So I just came back to engineering because I knew I'd be able to get a job yeah. after school. And that was the main thinking that had been drilled into my brain since I was little. Is you grow up, you go to college, you get a job. That's just what you do. So
1: walk us through the going to college, getting a getting a mechanical engineer degree, going to get a job, and then leaving that job.
2: Yeah, for me, it's been an interesting path, as I think it is with a lot of people who go into the corporate world and then find a way to escape it. So I got my mechanical engineering job. And I'll tell you what I originally wanted to do when I got out of college. There's another thing? No, I originally wanted to, I'm in Nashville, I said, I wanted to go move to San Francisco. I just picked that randomly and be a photographer's assistant and then start to build my own photography mm. business. But I didn't do that. I took a job designing color laser printers in Kentucky. That's way different than California. There's yeah, some alliteration there, but mm-hmm. that's about it. So went up to Kentucky, worked as this mechanical engineer, hardware engineer, designing these printers, and I'm going to tell you I was just miserable. And it was it was like I could have guessed that I'd be miserable because I was miserable in every single summer day job that I had mm-hmm. from the time I was 15. Like I just didn't like working for anybody else. I was very self-motivated and always working on my own projects and doing my own thing, but I was just like, well, society tells me I need a job. My parents tell me I need a job. Everyone's getting a job. I just I got to go get a job. Mm-hmm. So I did this for a couple years, but I think about a year and a half in, maybe less, I started plotting my way back out. And for me, and I wouldn't recommend this strategy to anybody, but I started planning a retail store.
1: Okay. Wow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and Selling what?
2: Selling eco-friendly men and women's clothing. Okay. So, yep. So, this was something I was actually passionate about. I was always passionate about health, about the environment, and a retail store really hit on a lot of the talents that I had. And so I was like, oh, this is the perfect business for me. Yeah, so I started planning you had
1: photography, it. mechanical engineering.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I was good with the structuring part. I was good with seeing the big vision like an engineer does and then breaking it down into smaller components. I was ah. good at the branding, which was kind of the photography side. Mm-hmm. I could do web design. I could just do everything involved in a retail store. So I got to the point where I had, I guess I'd planned it for about a year. I'd ordered the inventory, and I was just waiting to find the right retail store location. So I was able to save up a lot of money at my engineering job. I was able to work nights just to get everything together for the store. And then when I found a space to open my retail store back in Nashville, I quit my job. I gave a week and a half notice, and I packed up all my stuff and had my store open within one month.
1: You did this? Wow.
2: So it was an interesting transition. Of course, nothing ever works out like you think it does. So I had had some things happen along the way. That, that's why I ended up where I am today. Well, I need to know what those things are. <laughs> well, I went from that... Let me tell you guys. I launched that retail store. It was a fabulous store. It was beautiful, and I launched it December two thousand seven. And
1: y- using your own money.
2: Using my own money. My dad had given me some money as well, mm-hmm. and as a loan, so that was helpful. And, but do you all remember what happened December two thousand seven? I don't think I know what happened. Yeah, the economy. <laughs> it just died. Yeah. Like it died like that month, uh-huh. and. I'm not going to blame that on anything, but what I found was it was really hard to get started right. when the economy went down. And also what I found is that I had kind of worked myself into another job. Is In the engineering world, I had to be there from nine to five every day, or eight to five in that case. And then in the retail world, I had to be there ten to six. Yeah. Every single day, and I had employees, but you know, I was managing them and stuff, so I just worked myself into a different job. And there was a lot of overhead, and you guys know all about money and expenses, you don't want to have business with a ton of overhead, and that's what I'd work myself into. So I decided I was going to move on. That's when I got into coaching. I started out as a health coach, grew that practice really fast, and then that's how I got into business coaching because I was better at the business side than the health coaching side. But I was really great, I got that business set up really. Really fast. I was able to help other people set up their business. So that's when I transitioned to Go Fire Yourself. So that's it in a nutshell.
1: So now you're just a writer.
2: So now I am a business coach and I'm a writer and I still do photography.
1: Hmm. It seems like you and, and wh- well, why did you choose the term or the brand Go Fire Yourself? Did you did you think you fired yourself from your original job? And did you fire yourself from the retail store
2: yes yes and yes i would say is i think go fire yourself it's kind of about not putting up with bullshit Mm -hmm. it's about saying this is who i am this is what i want and i'm gonna go after it i'm not gonna wait for anybody to fire me or to tell me what i can do i'm gonna do it myself
1: do you do you coach people to do that responsibly i try to okay because i mean did you do it responsibly you think Yes and no. Okay. I
2: would think at the time I thought I was very prepared and doing exactly what I needed to do. And does it work out like you think? It never works out like you think. It just never does. So mm-hmm. I think at some point, even if you're being really responsible, you do have to take that leap and you do have to make it happen for yourself. Otherwise you'll just be stuck there forever. You're never going to know what's going to happen next. You just have to get in there and do it. So can what you tell? Yeah, can you ahead. tell
0: more about that? Because I feel like I'm kind of near that point, and uh, yeah. I definitely need some, some guidance. I guess.
2: Yeah. What specifically would you like to know?
0: Well, I mean, you said uh, you'd never necessarily know when is the point, and there's like a certain amount of risk that you just need to take. And I was hoping maybe you could elaborate on, on the risk. And how you know when that point is. I mean, is this the point that you're making? You know, you're now making twice what your previous salary was. And so then you know it's a good thing to do. Like, how do you kind of navigate that?
2: Absolutely. I think some people, I get the question a lot how much money do I need to save up before yeah. I quit? And I have to answer with there's no set amount of money. Is I thought I had plenty of money and it turned out that it got all sucked up into the inventory of the store. And so that didn't quite work out as I wanted. Some people I interviewed somebody the other day, she'd saved up a hundred grand to quit her job and start her own business and that ran out. Wow. And I've I've interviewed other people who had maybe somebody I think had maybe $3,000 or something and got their business really set up and running and going and making money. So there's really no set amount, but I think there are a couple things you have to take into consideration. And I want to give you an analogy of, I think of it as like building a bridge is you're on the mainland with your job and you're trying to build a bridge over to your island of self-employment. And you're building your bridge, and your bridge is your small business. So that's what's going to carry you the distance from your job to being full-time on your own. So you're working on your business. You're getting your bridge set up. Some people are able to just build their bridge halfway and jump off and swim the rest of the way. Those are going to be people that you know aren't in any debt, that don't have a family. Maybe they're younger. Maybe they just don't have a lot of responsibilities. They're going to be able to swim the distance, and it's not a big deal if they build a full bridge. Now, other people are going to have to build a longer bridge. If you are in debt, if you have a mortgage, if you're supporting a family, you just can't take that risk of jumping in the water with the sharks and just hoping that you're going to get to the island. So, But no one I've really seen or interviewed has built a full bridge. So at some point, you do have to jump off to get to your island, but I think just assessing for yourself how comfortable am I getting in there, swimming, and seeing what happens for me.
1: I built a small ramp and then just jumped off.
2: Exactly. <laughs> and, and then that just, works and just sort great. of like,
1: yeah, floated the rest of the way. I didn't really swim too hard.
2: That works great. Right. I, I interviewed one entrepreneur who he Quit his job. He just came into work one day and just got fed up. Like he had no biz- side business. He had no exit strategy right. to his job. He was just like, you guys got yeah, perks yeah. on the show. <laughs> fuck okay, fuck yeah. this. Like, <laughs> right. I'm not going to take this anymore. Uh-huh. And he then he took a little bit of time, decided what he wanted to do. He didn't have any real savings. He didn't have parents to fund him or anything. He started a pet store and he eventually ramped up that pet store got it featured on Caesar Milan's pet dog wow, whisperer wow. show and mm. then decided he didn't want to do that and got into sales copywriting and so what the point is he didn't build a bridge at all he just jumped and it worked out great for him and i've seen other people build a bridge like all the way mostly over to the island and jump off so i would just assess like how comfortable are you swimming mm.
0: So uh, I imagine there are people. Maybe they build, you know, seventy five percent of this bridge, and they they jump off, and they they get there, and they're good. But I'm sure there are also people who jump off the bridge, and they accidentally sw- like, swim in the wrong direction or, or something. And, mm-hmm. and I guess how do you? Are there are there like telltale signs, you know, that that you know that I I think I know where the island is, or I, I, how how do you know when it is is a, a safe time or that you're going in the right direction?
2: I think following your gut instinct, and I know that sounds kind of vague, but I absolutely believe that entrepreneurs have to get really good at following their gut instinct to know that they're going in the right direction. And you don't have to make forever decisions. You know, if I had to decide when I quit my day job that I wanted to be a retail store owner forever. Then that would have prevented me from being able to adapt and shift and go to that next island that I needed to be on. So, you do have to be flexible, but you have to trust your gut instinct that you are going in the right direction. And if you have trouble with that, you really need to get a coach or a mentor or someone who can help you see the holes that you're missing. Mm-hmm. And this is what I would recommend to. Any like whether you're a new entrepreneur or you've been doing it for 20 years, like to have somebody to help you out, somebody that you trust, somebody who knows business to help you navigate to your island, is really really critical.
1: Yeah, I want to uh, share a quote with you if you don't mind, and I want you to comment yeah. on
2: that. Sure,
1: Conan O'Brien. You know who he is. <laughs> yep. Right yep. I know that one. <laughs> you know that guy. <laughs> Jordan <laughs> O'Brien uh, said on WTF, Mark uh, Marin's podcast a while back, that the secret yeah. to his success was to get yourself in a situation where you have no choice. Yeah. So I look at your analogy of jumping off the bridge and saying, I'm stuck in the middle of this river and I got no choice but to swim.
2: That's what I said. This is what I wrote in my book, too. So I'm glad you gave that quote is like, screw plan B. Like you can, no safety net, no safety net. Because if you have a plan B, you're more likely to use it. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a plan B and you just jump off and again say, Fuck it, you know, I'm gonna swim this, and there is no other option, you're gonna make plan A work. Mm -hmm. That's just how it works. So, I would say, uh, people say, Okay, what's your worst case scenario? Well, you could go back and get a job. Okay, you could. get your dad to hire you, whatever that looks like for you, whatever your worst case scenario is. But I say don't plan for that. Just plan for what you want and do everything in your power to get what you want. And if you go ahead and jump off that bridge, you are going to start swimming to that island. But if you're just sitting there all safe on the bridge you're not going to get there very fast. So I think quitting your job is really the most effective strategy to grow your business and get it to where you want to go. Not just because you have more time in the day to do it, but because you have that fire lit up under your ass. You
1: have no choice.
2: You have no choice. Like this is what you're going to do and you will work to make it happen and since you are working to make it happen, even if you're in debt, even if whatever's going on, that's what's going to fuel you to make it happen. So that's why my blog is called go fire yourself because that's the tool you need to make it happen for yourself.
0: Do you think that you need to be earning some money before you you take this leap?
2: Yes and no, and I I love my answers here. Yes and no, uh, <laughs> maybe maybe um, why not? Yeah, I think I as I said, the guy I interviewed before he quit his job just because he couldn't take it anymore, and he just quit that day and didn't have an idea, and it worked out for him. So it can work out. I like to say, get your side business set up and going because there is an entrepreneurial learning curve. In the very beginning, there's a lot that you need to learn. And it's better to learn all that stuff and make mistakes when you still have a paycheck coming in. So I would say you want to make money because you want to vet your idea. And you want to make sure that your idea can make money before you're like, woohoo, I'm jumping. Uh And then nobody buys your product. So making money shows you that your idea is a good idea, that it can work, and that if you do quit your job, you'll be able to ramp it up. So, But I do not think that you have to replace your income from your job. I don't think you have to be, you know, going gangbusters with your business to quit. You do want to make sure that you can cover things you want to be able to eat but Mm -hmm. some people choose to eat ramen noodles that's not my choice but if that's what it takes to swim the rest of the way that's what it takes
1: all right let's take a break when we come back i have a couple of personal questions to ask you yeah we'll be right back all right um number one are you married
2: on September 6th, I will be really. Yeah. Oh, wow! Congratulations! Oh, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Okay, so when you fired yourself, you were yes. not married.
2: No. Do you was... not
1: have? Do you not have any kids? No. Okay, so you were a single person.
2: Yes. And... So not even
1: in a relationship at that point.
2: No, I was not.
1: Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm just. I'm trying to. Make
2: How personal are we going, guys?
1: <laughs> I just,
2: you no. were single, Laurel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, okay. What
1: is your social security number? I know. And your mother's <laughs> maiden name. No. Yeah, right? uh, so uh, you were you were in the situation. You were in a ideal situation because I'm in the same situation where I was able to take a massive jump because I had no dependence. I had like if I failed, it was on me and me alone. Yeah. How do you coach people who have maybe a wife, a husband, kid, a kid, multiple kids? How do you, how can you say to them, take the jump when there's dependents that rely on them for their income?
2: That's when you want to build the longer bridge. Okay. And first, you while they have a job while you have a job you want to first you want to talk to your significant other a lot of couples you know if they both have jobs one can support the entire family while the other one gets to quit their job and do what they need to do that's what my my best friend from high school is doing now her husband is working on building a yeast business he makes yeast for, for beer. beer yep that's awesome. Yeah, he cultivates yeast. Oh, and- I want yeast. I want yeast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you can get it. He's, his is like very like super local yeast. You can actually like cultivate it where you are and then yeah. send it to him and then he'll make like a product out of it. Anyway, no shit. It's very cool. It's called- I, want,
1: I want some of his yeast.
2: It's called bootleg biology. You should check um, it.
1: Yeah, I'm writing it down.
2: Okay, bootleg biology. So he's doing that while she is working a full-time job, and that works for them. And they're talking about having kids, and they're going to do that whole thing, So, but they're set up to do that. So if your partner can support the family or support your home or whatever, that's an option. Now. You have to talk to them and make sure that they're on the same page with you. So this is where a lot of couples might have a breakdown is one person wants to do something and the other person thinks it's irresponsible. So you do have to get on the same page there. Now, if you don't have the finances for one person to support both of you or support the household, you are going to have to get your side business ramped up more. And you're going to have to show the other person the money. You're going to have to show them that you can make the money, that this idea is good. And I would say you want to, make a, you want to be making at least enough to cover kind of your part of the expenses before you say, hey, I'm going to go full time with this. Because you don't want to put strain on your relationship or on your kids or anything like that.
1: All right. But what about mental health? So uh, sorry, Andrew, I'm pulling you into this. Yeah, please. You don't mind? No, not okay. at all. I look at somebody like Andrew who uh, wants to – he has a wife and he wants to quit his job. He wants to fire himself, so to speak. Uh, But the business, which is this podcast, (laughs) uh, (laughs) which is a full disclosure, uh, doesn't make enough money for him to quote-unquote show the money to his significant significant other to make it so that he can take that jump. But the the bridge is being built. But at what point do you sacrifice your mental health for the bridge building?
2: That's a great, great question there. And I think you have to keep in mind why you're at your current job. Is you really have to reframe your current job because there are a lot of benefits to it. And I understand being miserable. Like, God, I was I was mm. really unhappy <laughs> at my day job. Yeah. So I get that. But I was young. I was 25 and didn't really have a way to kind of reframe my life and do all this meditation type stuff. But I would say you got to look at why are you there? And you have to focus on the good parts of being there because you could quit today. You could quit tomorrow, but you have to say to yourself, okay, I am here because it's more important for me to support my wife. It's more important for me to support my kids. It's more important for me to have the house that I have and pay the mortgage Because there are reasons you're at your job, and you just have to look at those reasons and reframe it. And then you, I would say, start to feel grateful for it. I know I wouldn't have been able to say that to myself when I was in my corporate job, but I didn't really, I wasn't trying to support anyone. I wasn't trying to do anything. I was just existing. So you have to look at what is the most important thing for you. I don't know if that helps at all.
1: Andrew, does it help?
0: Um, I, I mean, I completely understand where you're coming from because I've said
1: that to you multiple times.
0: I so yeah, and, and I, I, I definitely just want you to hear
1: from someone else.
0: No, I, I, I feel it and it makes sense, but the, I guess the thing that gets me um, is I have a, a nice large chunk of savings, I've spent quite a long time building it up, and of course, I don't want to just disintegrate it. Yeah, he has that um, runway. I have like um, a runway for like a Boeing seven forty seven. Like I have like <laughs> I've done good. I, I mean I'm, I'm an engineer bit, sure. as well, so I I, I yeah. did good and now I feel that uh, I, ha- I have like enough to kind of go for for years, but uh, gosh, I, I can't I can't convince the key people in my life to wife, you know wife his wife. Wife and and you know, mom as well. Like she not that I live with my mom or anything, but she
1: also Oh, my mom was the hardest to convince. You st- I'm still convincing her.
2: Oh, my parents have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. It's been seven years since I quit my job. They don't <laughs> they don't talk to me about my business.
1: Yeah. They
2: don't ask me what's going on with it. They don't they don't know anything about it. They're like As long
1: as you're not homeless, they're fine, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I've I've been homeless at times, so <laughs> You know, so that's you, cool. So you've, you've
1: gone through the struggle.
2: I've gone through the struggle. It's not just a clear path.
1: But is it really a struggle, though, when you think about it? Because you're doing what you want to do, and, and it's like the starving artist, you know, where it's like, yeah, sure, I'm living in a van, but I'm playing <laughs> music every night and doing and performing my craft, and that that's happy. I I'm I'm grateful for that. So I think it's that trade-off.
2: I think it is, but I, I want to go back to Andrew. Yeah, because, let's, Andrew, let's you have this Boeing 747 ramp. Mm-hmm. Is it just your wife holding you back? I mean, what's holding you back from taking this leap?
0: Well, me. You know, okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm holding it back. Look, I, I mean, I don't want to blame Laura for holding me back because she, she supports me in, in life, and she thinks that, you know, we're doing a great thing. But uh, I guess... If it was just me i I would already be swimming. I would have been swimming long ago, mm-hmm. and it's just um the comfort level i I am much more able and willing to take risk than the the people around me, and I guess it's it's the convincing them piece that I'm stuck on.
2: well, I say that you're not in the convincing business and that You know, you want Laura to be on the same page with you, obviously, and she appreciates that for sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But definitely, you don't need to convince your mother of anything, you know? my Mm -hmm. As I said, my parents have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say, you know, getting on the same page with her, assessing the risk. I think when you talk to your partner, you know, a lot of times, first if you're just bringing up your idea for the very first time, it can be the first time, you know, you might've been thinking about it for months and it can be the first time that they've heard about it. So I would work together with them to hear their fears about it, assess the risk. If you need, I said, don't have a plan B. If you need to have a plan B to make them feel better, you know, put together a plan B in action. Okay, I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to work on this for a year. We're going to be able to cover everything. If it doesn't work out after that period of time, this is what I'm going to do. I'll have my resume ready. I'll get a job. We're going to be fine. You know, here are the numbers. You guys mm, are finance mm. guys. Like, show her the numbers. And that helps people just feel a little bit safer and that, okay, we're going to be okay. We have a backup plan. It's not like a huge deal when you think about it.
1: Yeah, I don't – I never – well, to me, I mean, I never saw it as a, a big deal. But some people do. And I don't I, – again, I had nothing. I had, <laughs> I had a mortgage. And I had a really nice BMW, and then I, uh, I, I, I got fired. I, <laughs> got, I got laid off, okay. and I collected unemployment for a year, and then the unemployment ran out, and there was no, I had no, and there was no way I was going back to anything. I never wanted a job, and you know, throughout the entire two years that I was just doing this, my mom, even today, will say like, "When are you going to get a job?" So I have to, I got, I have to constantly go over there and tell her like. Hey, I made X amount of dollars this month. Oh, good. so I don't have to worry this month. Yeah, sure. So this idea that uh, you know, I, I had no, like I had no dependence, so it, and what happened was I was able to uh, collect unemployment for a year, and what I did during that year was get rid of my condo, so I rented it out, and I got rid of my BMW, and I downgraded my life immensely, so that was paying almost like a very low amount to survive so i only needed to make a certain amount of, of dollars per month so i i i and i was able to do that because there was nobody you know around me i moved in with my brother and paid 500 dollars a month in rent rather than paying 1600 dollars a month in my mortgage and, and on top of utilities and stuff so i was able to do it and i i i don't know if i could safely recommend somebody like andrew to just take that leap although i i, I wrestle with the advice because in my head, I'm like, fuck it, go do it, you know, like, just do it. Because, like, you look at uh, what I just said from Conan O'Brien is, like, don't give yourself the choice. The choice is you have a job. You can fall back on it. But when you have no choice, you're forced to do something that you, know, you maybe wouldn't have never done. It could be prostitution. I, I'm not saying what that thing is. But there's you, you, you get desperate at a point, and that desperate stage could actually lead into something good.
2: And I would say when you're thinking about quitting, I would, I would make a list of things that I would put three columns on the list and I would say must have, nice to have, and don't need. Mm. And I would list out everything that you're paying for right now. So look at your budget, look at your bills, look at everything you're paying for and put them in those three columns. And that way that kind of gives you a view of like, okay, don't need, I can give up the Beamer. It doesn't yeah. matter to me. You know, I can get a Honda, which, which is what did. I have. Yeah, okay. That's exactly which is what I, I have. It gets Honda you from Civic. A to B. Honda Civic, man. Yeah, it's awesome. It is. So, and and just look at your life in that way, and then budget it out. So put a put a numbers by everything. So put in must have. You know, put your mortgage, put your electricity, yeah. put your loans. I mean, whatever you have in the must have, and write out how much those are every month. Nice to have put down your martinis, margaritas, mm. whatever you guys are drinking, Yeah. and then your don't needs in the other column with the prices there. And that kind of gives you, okay, if we needed to run lean, we're gonna have our must-haves and that's great and we're gonna be okay. And then if we get a little bit more, we can have our nice to haves. But then, you know, we're willing to give up our don't needs because we would rather work for ourselves than have a beamer. Because yeah. that's what's more important. And that will help you visualize making that leap for yourself and maybe letting go of some things.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what I did. And Andrew, do mm-hmm. you have can you make that list?
0: Yeah, and it's actually funny because— I'm writing it right
1: now. No.
0: (laughs) No, like, (laughs) earlier this morning, I actually was going through with Laura, and we were starting to pick through everything, and uh, we're going to do, like, a 30-day challenge where we're just going to go bare minimums to the bone and see uh, what we can do and um, just understand, I guess, what we really, yeah, can survive on.
1: The one thing that I wrestle with in Andrew's situation is that because we run a personal finance podcast, I don't want him to take a a risk with his money because we are we advocate a low risk style of investments. and it I sort of wrestle with you know having him do something which is technically crazy in a sense, uh, and then having to come on the podcast and say that he did it, and you know, well, you just told me to invest in you know, not individual stocks when that's the most riskiest thing. So I I feel like there's a disconnection with our message versus what he's actually going to do in real life or what he wants to do in real life.
2: Well, what's the point of having money?
1: Oh, shit.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we have money. It's a tool, but you don't want to be a tool. Uh, You want the money to be a tool for you. So I think you have to look at it as like, well, if I had a lot of money you know, or I'm trying to make this money and I'm trying to talk about personal finance because I want freedom, but I'm stuck in a job and I don't have any freedom. So I think that's kind of incongruent. That's just me. How did you, how did that you. That was, uh, awesome. was awesome. I'm to literally used as a quotable. All right. Uh. I'm glad I give you guys good material. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I want to know how you went from the retail store, which has a lot of overhead
2: Mm-hmm. to a
1: blog was that that was was that the transition
2: it was to being a coach
1: okay so, so okay
2: yeah so the I, blog
1: came from being a coach and the coach is like you're you you have a client and you get paid directly
2: yes okay So, I became, I took kind of my love of health and things like that from the store and I became a health coach. And so, I actually went back to, I did an online school for that and got certified to be a health coach and got into it that way and just took everything that I'd learned from growing my retail store and got my business ramped up really fast. Mm -hmm. And people started asking me, you know, how did you do that? How did you get this practice going? When most health coaches, I would say, don't ever get a client. And I had all these clients. So that's when I started blogging about how I grew my business, how I quit my job, all that kind of stuff.
1: Would you ever recommend as a business coach for somebody to quit their job and start a blog and make their money off of that? No. Okay. I was was hoping you'd say no because I was going to agree with you.
2: No, I would say if you do, I think a blog is a great tool. We're going to use that word again. Of course. I think it's It's really a great way. It's helped me get clients. It's not a business. It's not a business. You Mm. have to have a back end to your business. And mine has been coaching. I coach. I do Mm. programs. I do stuff like that. And the blog has helped me reach people and connect with people and do that. But you have to get so many people. If you want to do something like Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income with affiliates and things like that, you have to have so much traffic when if you're a coach, you just need a couple clients a month or a week or something to make yourself stable. Right. So you do have to have a back end to what you're doing. I don't just think, ooh, let's start a blog. It'll be easy. It's it's not easy. The people who are making money through blogging, they're putting a lot of energy and time and effort into it. This is not like a four-hour work week kind of thing.
1: Yeah, And that's how I did it. That was yeah. my full-time business was a blog.
2: Well, I saw... Um, the Matt, your swim thing. Yeah. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah,
1: yeah. So okay. I, I, I ran it for four years while I had a job and then got laid off and then used all that time to work on it a lot and was able to ramp it up enough to make enough money to survive. hmm. Not, I would, I would, I don't recommend anybody doing it that way because that, it, it, again, what what could happen is one day uh, all the traffic could disappear. Oh, yeah. You know, Google could say, oh, you're not trustworthy anymore and gone. And then all my affiliate money and all that, uh, the the uh, sponsors that I have could could disappear in one day because I don't have the traffic anymore. And the traffic took a long time to build up. But when I'm looking at somebody who's – Maybe has a, uh, like, look at somebody with an Etsy store or somebody that's selling things on eBay as a side business. You know, that uh, to me, that's not the only thing you're good at. You know, mm-hmm. yes, that makes you money, sure, but have you thought about taking what you know, which is selling on eBay, selling on Etsy, whatever your, whatever your trade is, and, and doing a coaching sort of thing where, where you could teach other people to do that exact thing and maybe make money that way?
2: That's the thing. You do whatever you do, you have to have a back end to your blog mm-hmm. if you're going at it from that route. And don't just expect to just start throwing something up there and you're gonna make some affiliate money. That's yeah. just
1: not It doesn't not, work, I can tell you that.
2: It doesn't work. You gotta have a back end and a blog can help you with that, but it's this isn't like This isn't some smart passive income thing. (laughs) He got lucky. He did. He He did. And that's why we all know him. And if you don't know him, it's just smartpassiveincome.com. And you will know him when you see that his financial statement in the corner there.
1: Yeah. And he basically was taking notes on a college course that he was taking. And he put it online kind of accidentally. Not accidentally, but he was putting it online for himself so he can access his notes anywhere. And all of a sudden, he had a ton of traffic that he wasn't aware of. And then he monetized it. Mm-hmm. You know, he just started putting affiliate links or, or, or packaged it up into a PDF and sold that. So that was pure luck in his. And he he admits that in everything he talks about. Do you guys do coaching? No.
2: Oh, my gosh. You
1: <laughs> totally should. But see, I never really I, – I couldn't buy into that. I, I, I thought about doing – being a consultant, I guess, is the same word, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought about being a web consultant or uh, you know some guy that – Basically, doesn't build your website, but tells you how somebody should build your website for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, and how to run it. Yep, which I know a lot about, but I, uh, I didn't feel like it.
2: You got to do what lights you up. And yeah,
1: didn't like, light me up. And how do you get a client? Yeah.
2: How do you get a client? <laughs> know, a that's like question. a whole nother. I know. Topic. I know it is. <laughs> oh I gosh. don't. Yeah, I
1: don't want to go there. But that's that was my biggest was. That was my biggest concern. Like, yes, I can get a website design client because all I got to do is show my work and say, I've designed this and will you pay me, you know, a thousand dollars to do a website? Sure. But, you know, it's going out and soliciting your stuff for a couple of, you know, weeks and you get a couple and then that turns into more because of, you know, uh, referrals. Mm -hmm. But it's tough. It's tough to get started, but it's best to get started while you have a job and uh, then move on from there.
2: It is tough. I think the thing you have to keep in mind, and this is my general answer to how do you get a client, is you have to know what your customer really needs. And I'm not talking, they don't need a website. That's not what they need. You have to go underneath that and sell them their actual primary need, which is to make money or to have a thriving business or something like that. And like for me, I was a health coach. I helped people Lose weight, but you had to go underneath that and say, Well, why do you want to lose weight? Well, you know, I want to be have a more intimate connection with my husband, or I want to feel better, you know, in my clothes, or something like that. You have to go underneath what they really want, and that's what you have to sell them. So, in whatever business you're doing, you really have to provide that value and give your customers what you want, what they want, and not what you think they want, because nobody wants coaching. Nobody ever yeah. has wanted a coaching. That's that's stupid. But people want the result. They want to make more money. They want to lose weight. They want whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And your job is to help them get that. So right. just knowing that.
1: So do you have any final words you want to say to anybody out there who's maybe trying to transition from – you know, maybe you're, they're at a job and they have a business idea. They want to move into it, but they're not sure. They have a family. I don't know. There's there's a bunch of variables. I guess you could you could do. But is there any piece of advice that you give people?
2: Yeah, I would say first of all, if you have a business, a side business going, focus on a couple things. So focus on. The things doing the tasks that make you money. When you have a full time job and then you have your side business, you don't have a ton of time from five in the evening to nine at night to work on this business. So you want to work on the things that are really important and that's going to help you ramp up really quickly. And so focus on what makes you money. Write down the tasks that you have to do for your business and circle the ones that, okay, this one actually brings me clients. This task actually gets money in my bank account and just. Do those and do those consistently. Mm -hmm. Also, when you're a business owner, you're not For me, I'm a photographer. I'm not really a photographer. What I am is a marketer and a salesperson. Those are your two big tasks, and you have to focus on those things. You're not a graphic designer. You're not a web developer. You have to be that salesperson and that marketer. So read as much as you can about those two things. They're not as scary as they might sound, but get really good at those in the beginning. And then, last, I would say, embrace the uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow anyway. If you stay your job you could get fired tomorrow like you want to take your future in your own hands and that's really what it means to open your own business and go full-time is that no one can fire you is you're taking control of how you want to live your life and how you want to be and everything's uncertain so why not do something that you have more control over
1: i love it laurel thank you for being on
2: thank you guys i had a great time it's fun right Oh, we have a great time. You get
1: to say the f word.
2: I know. I usually don't get to say that. So. Not yeah.
1: do you. You don't say the f word on your podcast.
2: You know I don't. Mm. I don't. I click the little clean button on iTunes. Oh, we
1: just made it explicit on ours. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I helped with that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's probably for the better.
2: Well, you guys rock. I love what you're doing here. I think you're adding a lot of value. And Andrew, you're gonna you're gonna make it happen and go fry yourself very soon.
0: Thanks. for that?
2: Hopefully awesome. sooner
1: than later, but yeah, yeah, thanks.
2: I'm rooting for you. You're doing everything right. So it's just a matter of time.
1: There you go. That's encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys have questions about this topic, you can email us at listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. We'll forward them right over to Laurel for you. She has plenty of time uh, <laughs> to answer all your questions. No, we will. We will, uh, we will answer your questions. If you have any about this topic and it's a big topic. It's a, it can be scary. It's a scary topic, really. And uh, we're here to walk you through it if you have any questions, especially uh, with our expertise in that area. So uh, we also want to ask you guys to leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher if you like the show. And I'm going to read a review real quick. It's, uh, <laughs> they had me at What Are You Drinking? Five stars by, uh, okay, Grizz in the Box. From the United States, <laughs> I I like Grizz in the Box. Uh, a couple of laid back guys that are very likable and relate to almost or to most everyone. They make fun. They make it fun to listen to, and how they manage their finances in a detailed and easy to understand way. They make you think. And as always, they give you an opinion with reason that differentiates it from the Dave Ramsey world. So I highly recommend giving it a listen. I think you'll be happily surprised. So thank you very much, Grizz in the Box. And you can check us out at ListenMoneyMatters.com. And Andrew, even though I can't see him, will hold up his finger for me to mention that (laughs) we have a toolbox on our website, which is ListenMoneyMatters.com slash toolbox. And we have things like Betterment in there, of course. Uh, Lending Club, there's uh, Viotard, Vanguard, all the things that we recommend on this podcast uh, that we use ourselves, of course. So Laurel, thanks again for being on, and uh, you know it was a great time having you.
2: Yeah, thanks guys, appreciate it.
1: All right, and guys, we look forward to the next episode as always. So later, later.